Hi, you lovely lot. Hope you're having a lovely week. And again, we're so lucky to have the sun out. Um, I hope you're going out for your daily exercise, for a nice walk, for a nice bike ride. Hope everyone's staying safe. Um, I just want to say a special thank you to all the key workers, NHS workers, bin men and women, postmen and women. I think you're all absolutely incredible for what you're doing. You are literally putting your lives at risk every single day to look after the country and we all really appreciate it. So today I'll be talking to Rosina Andrews. Rosina Andrews is a dance educator. She's written two books, Pirouette Surgery and Leap Surgery, and they are absolutely excellent. They're such a good read. There's lots of top tips in there. So I would definitely take a look at those and put them on your Christmas list. <laughs> um, in this podcast today, we talk about the dance teaching industry, our communities coming together online throughout this pandemic, how to be true to yourself as a teacher and as a student. And we talk a lot about trust, building a family community. And yeah, it was just really nice to get to know Rosina and just talk through a lot of the current discussions that are usually spoken about on dance teachers groups on Facebook. So I hope you enjoy and... I'll see you all next week. So, hi, Rosina. Hi, Sarah. <laughs> How are you today? I am good, thank you. Yeah, Lovely. good. <laughs> um, so, let's get stuck right in. So, I feel like I've got to know you a little bit prior to the podcast. So, can you tell us all um, just a little bit about you? Like, were you trained and what you're up to at the minute? And just... Yeah, of course. So, um, I'm Rosina. I live in London and I am a dance educator. Um, I use that kind of umbrella because I have my, my books on dance technique and then I also teach all over the world, like my Rosina Andrews method. And um, yeah, so where did I train? I trained at Performance College. Um, I went at 16 and then uh, graduated at 18. It seems so young. Um, and then I moved to New York and trained in New York. And I, I saw you had Megan Bowers on your podcast and uh I know that she did exactly the same program as me in New York, and that really is, like, one of the best. I think that changed me as a dancer, so, yeah, I really recommend that. And um, I know Megan had an amazing time. Um, What else am I doing? At the moment, uh, we are all sitting inside our houses waiting for this crisis to be over. (laughs) Um, But what am I doing? I'm working on my third book, and I'm working on... So I have a new dance convention called Amplify, and that is in its third season. So taking this time out to kind of consolidate all the plans for the future which I don't usually have time to do so which is quite nice yeah Yeah. it is nice isn't it just to take a little bit of time to go oh actually I've wanted to do this for ages and now I have all the time in the world but it's funny because we all have these to-do lists and I looked at them and I was like I don't want to do any of that I'm going to do yeah I'm going to sort out this cupboard that doesn't need sorting out so yeah (laughs) I'll probably come out the end of this still with that same to-do list So um, after New York, did you move back to England and how long were you in New York? Yeah, so yeah, I went to New York um, in 2000 and, oh, when, uh, 2011. God, that makes me feel really old. Um, <laughs> and I, moved, I went there with my husband. He wasn't my husband at the time. Um, I didn't get married when I was 20. Um, and we came back here and I, I continued dancing, continued performing, um, but sort of found my kind of niche for wanting to teach and wanting to kind of 
create some sort of change. So when I went to New York, I'd obviously graduated dance college and I'd, I'd gone with a scholarship. I, I was a good dancer. I you know won competitions and I got jobs and all that. And then I got to New York and I was like, wow, yeah, now this is what good dancing is. This I, I was nothing really compared to that. So I really had to up my game. And when I came back, I sort of saw the complacency that is in dance teaching, um, colleges, performing, everything in the UK, and just wanted to start making a little bit of a change. Um, I mean, that, that seems to have gone quite well. I think in the last 10 years, I've done so many workshops and so many teachers done my teachers' courses and things that I've seen the change. But, you know, you're never going to completely change anything. But I just like to make other people think about different things and think about it in a different way because I think that's the only way that we can be successful. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm sure. I think I've seen some of your questions you're going to ask me, so I will hold back from that now. And <laughs> we can have a chat first, and then we'll go with that. Okay, brilliant. So you think that New York was the best thing that you ever did? Yes. <laughs> above <laughs> marrying my husband, yeah. I mean, I might even put it above having kids. I don't know. I haven't had them yet. But no, New York absolutely changed my life. Um, changed how I thought. Changed how I danced. Changed my friendship groups. Changed yeah, everything. Not that my performance college training wasn't great. I still have great memories from that, but yeah, New York changed my life. Yeah. So what sort of dancer would you say that you were back then? You know, when you were in performance, were you a jazzy dancer or were you really good at tap or were you just versatile? Um, (laughs) Yeah, it's a tricky one. Um, So I was a... uh, Society's uh, explanation of a festival dancer that... Um, was a triple threat so I could sing I could dance I could act I tap danced I did song and dance I did Greek I did all that um but looking back now having all those sort of strings to my bow wasn't really maybe the best thing because I was I felt like I could do them all but I wasn't really a master of any of them so when I got there at 16 I could you know I could do all my classes but I wasn't like the standout jazz dancer I wasn't the standout commercial dancer I wasn't the standout ballerina so um yeah, like looking back, I would say now, looking back at myself, I was a technical jazz dancer. Yeah. That was where I was at. Whereas if I just said it back then, I'd have been like, I'm a triple threat, but I'm not a triple threat. I don't mm. sing anymore. I don't act. <laughs> I haven't acted since I graduated. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So I would say technical jazz dancer, which um, then led me into, so obviously performance is quite a commercial college. So we all came out, graduated thinking we were all going to be commercial dancers. And I remember going to a lot of commercial auditions and being like, I absolutely hate this. Like, my swag left the building in, like, 1993. Like, I don't, I don't have any swag. I don't have any groove. Like, I have more now, and that's sort of something that came to me when I was in New York. But other than that, like, yeah. So I wasn't a commercial dancer, but there I was in all these commercial auditions. Um, and then you get to a point where you're just auditioning for anything. And I went to a contemporary company audition and thought, oh, well, you know what, see, well, I'm not a contemporary dancer. Um, but I actually got the job, and from then I realised actually I was pursuing the wrong style. Like obviously a technical jazz dancer with solid ballet training, cre- uh, creativity, and things like that. Uh, contemporary was going to be a good little route for me. Yeah. So it took a while for that to happen. Um, but yeah, and then when I went to New York, I, we had to you have to major in one style, and then you have to do diverse classes. They actually forced me into like hip hop and commercial. Um, I still don't have any swag, but I do enjoy it a bit better. <laughs> <laughs> Like groove, no. <laughs> Brilliant. I just like my weight is always in the wrong places. I don't know if that's like modern dance has taught me that, but they do like a lunge and I'm in the jazz force. You know, everything's just... <laughs> Grounded. <Yeah. laughs> I'm not cool. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, brilliant. So um, a lot of people do say that, you know, it takes quite a bit of time to sort of realise your niche and it's okay to not be great at everything. 
and um, yes. yeah and it's all right to take time as well to find out what what you love and what your passion is out of all of the, the genres I think, it take, I think it takes a lot of time and also a lot of kind of self-trust and I think um I think you're going to talk about this later with when you, you know people that always want to follow hype and trend and things like that but you've got to realize that what you want and what you or what you're good at and it's really hard not to compare yourself to someone else but mm. once you stop comparing that's when you actually find your success yeah I think that goes for everything as well I've seen a lot of teachers on um do you know dance teachers hub posting like I don't know what to do yeah. about online classes oh. am I doing the right thing yeah I just think you need they need to go with their heart and also yeah dance teacher hub <laughs> Oh, it goes off, doesn't it? I'm, I'm like, oh. go there. <laughs> <laughs> it's so my, dramatic, my isn't it? Team, my problem with Dance Teacher Hub, and I guess the town teachers are going to listen to this and they'll probably agree with me, is when people post things like, I can't get my six-year-old to point their toes. I'm like, well, if you're a dance teacher and you can't get a six-year-old to point your toes, you <laughs> probably should be a dance teacher. <laughs> so, yeah, you, you can quote me on that one. I don't think people will really care. But I'm just like, what? <laughs> or it's like... um. Uh, I'm really looking for a really like unusual piece of music for a song and dance and then someone will comment oh how about Naughty from Matilda and I'm like oh god <laughs> I haven't heard of that one yeah, where the hell's that one been like oh, don't. that's my opinion about Seja Hub <laughs> it's a great place for community and I believe that a lot of people support each other but some of them are just like I can't sometimes it's quite negative and I just don't want to look at it oh, sometimes I'm... especially at the moment it's like yeah. people are like I don't like Zoom and everyone's like no you shouldn't like Zoom I'm like I love Zoom. No, I see my kids on Zoom. I can't see their legs. I can't see they're pulling up. I don't care. I see my kids. You yeah. know, that's all that's important right now. Exactly. Keeping communication, that's the most important thing, isn't it? You know. They're all going different ways. Who cares? <laughs> Imagine us in actual class. If you were going the wrong way, we'd oh, be like, God. guys. <laughs> I mean, if you see some of my classes are very liberal, they probably are all going different ways. <laughs> 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 okay so let's get on to facebook while we're talking about the subject so i love your facebook posts they're absolutely so honest yeah <laughs> i always read them and i'm like like slash love yeah, I, I um i feel like if i hadn't been a dancer i might have been like a journalist or something because i have, have this once i get a bee in my bonnet about something the words just come out but yeah <laughs> some of my facebook posts are quite brutal and um, they seem to go down well though and i think I don't write it for, like, the hype. I don't need the 600 shares or whatever. But I just think sometimes nobody, nobody feels has honesty or integrity at the moment. So, like, yeah. I, you know, you see Dance Teacher Hub and you see them writing, oh, my God, like, I was at a festival and all I saw was, like, bum cheek. But then on, like, <laughs> their Facebook page, they're, like, posting a picture of a kid in a leotard with their bum cheek out. And I'm like, mm. you can't, you got to do, practice what you preach, like, my kids, like, then people take it to the extreme and they're like, oh, we well, need to wear tights. But my kids don't wear tights, they just butt glue them in. Like, like they are glued into their, like, we don't wear leotards on their own anyway because I wasn't aware we were gymnasts. But, um, <laughs> like, if we're wearing shorts or something, we, like, I glue them to their legs. But, yeah. you know, people just get, like, and they're like, oh, well, Regina Andrews is saying this, so we need to do this. And I'm like, no, just do what you believe. And, yeah, that's why my Facebook posts, I think I like they are. Yeah, no, I really like them. I think they're so honest, and there's not enough honesty in this industry at, at all. And um, when it comes to everyone's just really scared of what someone else is going to say or think, and I'm not at that point. I am. I still like it. I'm not as confident as people think I am, and I, obviously, I, I too have people that like critiques or like scrutinise me and things like that. But I always try and just go with my heart, and then 
Yeah, and that's a brilliant um, point as well. Not everyone, like we were saying before this podcast, is there's always going to be like a hundred people, and there's always going to be one person that doesn't like it or that's got a comment. Yeah, I mean, I think this time with like coronavirus and just seeing Facebook in itself, you can see how personal choice is so kind of opinionated, and everyone is suddenly trying to like spread like this news, that news, and you think, wow, like this is a global crisis and you are spreading that. Imagine how much, like, you must be spreading in, like, real life, you know? Uh, know, If you think you can write that about Boris Johnson who you've never met, imagine what you must think about your, like, neighbour who you do know or your dance, your duet partner or things like that. Yeah, that's so true. It's really cruel, to be honest, I think. Like, just wishing well, for goodness sake, you know? Yeah, I know, poor man. He was trying his best and, my God, now he's really ill, like, Oh. <laughs> it's really God. sad, isn't it? And he, yeah, like, he's had Brexit and now this. The poor guy. <laughs> Honestly. Next. What's next? <laughs> <laughs> so to, to we could just chat and go off on tangents. So um, oh yeah, 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 that's fine. That's me. <laughs> so I've put him <clears throat> about the industry, and there's so much good right now, and there's also so much bad because dance is becoming increasingly popular, which is obviously great. Um, so yeah. I'd like to talk about your post um, hype and substance. So you say <laughs> about eighty percent of the. I want to get those words tattooed on me. I think because I say them more often than I say anything. <laughs> so you said eighty percent of the room are able to do aerials, leg holds, side leaps, but mm-hmm. they can't do simple things like pas de bourrées and plies without. Well, this is not what you said, but this is what I'm saying: plies without yeah. rolling, without rolling. Oh. Yeah, so, um, now this is where people get really slightly confused with me, because my students do aerials, leg holds, side leaps, and all that, but they also can do the transitions and all the extra things, so a lot of people are, you know, at first, people were like, oh, well, Rosine, like, I don't know if you've, you probably do follow me, because you know my students like Lauren and Jasmine, who I've taught since they were babies, they can do all these amazing tricks, but they can also do the transitions, yeah. but I think it got, it, 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 it's beginning to be, people are really noticing, and I'm noticing it when I do workshops, and it's not the oldest kids, because they have had the focus, and they've had the time, and they can do the tricks, and they can do the transitions, and it's not the baby ones, because they're not really doing the tricks now, because the dance teachers are sort of over that hype, Yeah, it's the ones in the middle, um, and it's the ones in the middle that you just look at them, and you think, oh my god, your leg hold is stunning, if someone could teach you how to step out of it and into something else yeah you would be an amazing dancer like i see so many kids i think my god you'd whip my kids into a little in a net mm. but wait you can't do any of their like transitions and stuff so i think what happened was it got like so 10 years ago dance mom sort of came out these dance teachers were like oh my god i need to start teaching all these tricks yeah so they started teaching all the tricks and then they forgot about all the other things yeah um it's sort of i think it's taking full circle i think people are getting back on it now but Sometimes I'm just like, why do you need an acro class? Like, it's not as important as ballet. Why? I don't. Acro. I don't. My kids don't do acro. We do gymnastics, tumbling, um, because I think it's important that they can flip and trick. But acro, I think I feel like there's some phenomenal acro schools, and they should focus on that. But I feel like everyone's necessity to fold in half not everyone should do that like not everyone's able to do that and I, I think it's a bit dangerous that yeah. 
I, I think maybe acro, you, if you're going to do acro, you have to do a ballet class. I think anyone who doesn't offer a ballet class alongside acro is actually just being dangerous to their students. Um, <laughs> but I think a lot of, I, I find a lot of teachers sort of, they quote, they quote me on this and then they go, okay, so aerial's a bad, leg horse a bad, side it's a bad, and I never said that. Like, a lot of people kind of take it to the extreme, and for me, uh, teachers go, oh, like, I think you mentioned it, your, your kids will go home and practice things you've not taught them, but that's kids, yeah. that, that's life, and as soon as you tell someone not to do something, they'll do it. So I think it's about educating them how, so if you want your if you, your kids will go home and do aerials, then teach them how to do aerials properly and educate them into what could go wrong if they don't do them right. Like, yeah. I think you can't you can't ban something because as soon as you ban it, they're going to want to do it. Yeah. Um, so for me, it's like, you got to let them practice what they want. Um, it's about balancing, like, education with the students and also the parents. Um, you've got, they've got to trust... They've got to trust your opinions. They've got to trust what you're aiming for. And until they trust you, you can't get anywhere. So I think it's really all about trust. Massive about trust. 100%. Yeah. Um, I think if a parent doesn't trust you, then they're not at the right school and you need to go somewhere no, else. No, absolutely not. I, I, yeah. But then you have to then look at it and see maybe the parents have like serious trust issues from other things. Like, I think dance is somewhere that parents often um, kind of, I don't, I don't know how to explain it, but they sort of... Mm use that as a play like a, a ground to if they've had a bad day at work to throw it at you or like if their kids misbehaving at school they can throw it at you and things like that so yeah mm. yeah How, um, i feel like again on that teacher's hub everyone voices their opinions about um their parents and i'm just like oh i'm really lucky to be perfectly honest a lot of mine well pretty much 90 percent are all really respectful and i think it is because i'm older now i'm 32 now and i've been doing it quite a long time and a lot of the, the kids um have been coming to me for like eight years so i feel like there is a level of trust there but at the beginning i was just like oh you know when i was yeah, younger I, I it's a very tricky one because I have had my fair share of crappy parents over the years. Um, but right now, we have the, probably the best set of parents we've had for, you know, like five years, perhaps. Yeah. And the parents I get to work with, it's like, so obviously I work uh, freelance all over the place and obviously I get to work with some really great parents there because they're the ones that employ me to work with their children. Yeah. But I'm talking about what to do with my mum's dance store and, yeah, like, and I believe the reason those parents are as good as they are is because we have fully invested absolutely everything into those kids. Yeah, you're right, um, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, you, you mentioned a bit later on, I think you, you're going to talk about, like, um, being up all night and being able to contact the, the students and, like, doing extra and this and that. Like, I wouldn't swap any of that because I think by doing that, those parents begin to trust you. Yeah, I completely agree. Like, we have this little WhatsApp group with all the kids and... You know, we, we're all like cheering each other on, like, well done. Yeah. You know, we post videos and it is uh, Yeah, I think it's, I think the connection and the communication is really important. Um, I think that's how you get parents to be on your side. Yeah. And also, like, as soon as you've got a bad one, you've got to stick with your gut and ask them to leave. Even if it's the most happy in the world, it's just not worth it. It's not worth having an ugly studio. No, it's not. It's not. It's not worth it for us either, as well as the kids listening outside the studio. Yeah. It's just not worth it. Mm, so, sounds like we're both on the same page with parents then, because I am really lucky with mine. Yeah, and I think I think a lot of dance teachers have good parents. I think, like everything in life, you only see the negative. Like, 
Um, so yeah, take like the current news. We're seeing how many people are dying, but we're not seeing how many people are recovering. Yeah. Um, like on Dance Teacher Hub, you see all these people moaning about parents, but you don't see people saying, oh my God, my parents were great today because obviously negative news sells and negative is what we're trying to change. So I think I think a lot of people have better parents than we think they do. Yeah. Because you just don't see the negative, you don't see the positive side of it. Yeah. Well, that's good that we're both being positive. Big up to our parents. Yeah, big up to them. <laughs> um, I also love your vitamin C analogy. So can you oh, explain yeah. about that? <laughs> that's, yeah, so that came about when I wrote uh, Pirouette Surgery because um, when I first started doing workshops, workshops were not really a thing. And some teachers, I remember seeing it on like, was a dance teacher hub back then I can't remember what it was so this is 10 years ago people were going oh no this this the girls going around teaching these turns workshops and um, I feel like it's gonna like undermine everything that we've taught them for all these years blah 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 and I kind of killed it right there and then with this vitamin C thing because I you know I, I'm not about the bad press and I really I am so grateful for everyone that's always booked me and employed me so I literally just went straight out there and was like no this is not what I'm doing I'm just giving you a supplement, giving your students a supplement to add on to what they already know. Like, you, your, your dancers are not good because of me. Your dancers are good because of you and your training. And, and I'm just giving you that extra, like, boost. Yeah. So I, I literally killed that one off there and then. <laughs> Brilliant. That's really good because I do remember, like, back in the day, right, like, um, it, a, a lot of teachers would be like, nope, my children don't do anything other than my classes. And I'm like, yeah, but I can't give, yeah. give them everything. Like, I'm only one human being. Like, I want them to get a yeah. variety of teaching and a variety of personalities as well as good I teaching think, skills. Again, I think, yeah, I think uh, parents and sort of they're so worried to give everything they physically can to their students, their, their, their children, that they get carried away with what's good and what's bad. Um so yeah, like everyone just, just seems to do everything at the moment. And yeah. I, I am an old school teacher in the fact that if you head to like MTS, you don't get, you can't do dance classes anywhere else because I believe that that is commitment to one place. But in that sense, I'm making sure that we offer them absolutely everything that they don't need to go anywhere else. Exactly. Um, but like workshops and summer schools and things like that, like I'm so for them. Um, just uh, uh, yeah, kids that go to more than one dance school, I'm not sure about. <laughs> no, I don't think I don't think anyone does that anymore. Do they like different dance schools? I don't know how that works. Like, I don't see how you can ever be committed to one place if that's where you are. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Um, so yeah, so um, the next quote, <laughs> I'm like your stalker. <laughs> I love that you quoted me. I love that you've written these. It worries me. <laughs> um, so I've said. The problem isn't the students, it's teachers and parents constantly comparing to what other studios are doing down the road or trying to get the video or photo in whatever position is getting a hashtag. So I feel like in, when we're in the studio, I don't take that many videos because no, I like to be in the moment and enjoy when they achieve that, that double pirouette or that amazing, beautiful um, grand Batman. The, yeah, I don't want to be behind a screen and sometimes I feel like again as a teacher you're like oh should I be posting this and yeah. it's that whole um I think certainly people even in life have the worry that then they're, they're not enough everyone's always looking to be more and I think you know we, we think that throughout life we want more money we want more this we want more that and 
we want more for our students so therefore you begin to compare and I absolutely like I don't do that <laughs> like, and, like say someone is doing x y and z I usually go and do the complete opposite not because I want to do it in a way of spiting them but I only I believe success only comes when you follow exactly what your heart wants to do so if you are working what the, de- the you're doing what the dance school down the road is doing you're not authentic to yourself you're only being uh, you're just doing it to compare and kind of contrast what you're doing so yeah I feel like if you can't be sort of uh, authentic and organic to what you exactly want to do and the goals you want for your students then they'll never reach where you want them to be exactly exactly so I, I just find it really really hard I don't I don't know how teachers do it like film every single class every night I, I just couldn't do it my brain yeah, like could not it's, it's a very tricky one because if you have got phenomenal students in front of you you can film non-stop without having to do anything like my maybe my Friday night advanced jazz class I can set it once and I'll film it and they'll look phenomenal so sometimes I think people think they film all the time when actually I think the students just look like that anyway yeah um, but I just think, you know, we don't, we're in an era where we are filming ourselves do the most menial things. Like, especially at the moment, like we're filming ourselves opening the fridge. So in history, we look back and in 2020, people were proud of themselves for opening the fridge. And I think we get, have to get to a point where we don't need to document everything. So if your kid's done a really good crap montage with really nice floor pressure, who cares? But people post that on Instagram, and I'm just like, well, that's what should be happening anyway. Um, I think it's, again, people worrying that they're not doing enough or people worrying that they're not, you know, offering what someone else is offering. But then as soon as you start wearing that, you're not going to be offering it anyway because you're wearing, your focus is on the wrong thing. Yeah. Yeah, and like that old school quote, comparison is the thief of joy. Oh, yes. Mm. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) So um, managing expectations is next. Yeah. Um, so I've said I, sometimes I find it quite difficult when explaining that ballet does take longer to learn than the others yeah. because you've got to think about technique, posture, alignment, performance and of course there's 20 exercises and some of these kids are six yeah. years old, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, this, yeah, I'm a, it, like anyone who's done any of my teacher's courses knows my like, opinion on syllabus. I think it's great. I think syllabus is really important but I think teachers get bogged down with teaching it. I think teachers need to remember whether their focus is to train children to dance or to train people to pass exams. Yeah. Um, like, I, I couldn't care less if it takes three years for a kid to learn grade one ballet as long as they're learning how to do ballet. Yeah. And yeah, the parents maybe want the exams, but again, it's down to education. So if you tell them what you're doing and you explain why they're not, why they're not doing their exam, then they should trust you. Yeah. Um, like, for example, my mum's dance school. So my mum used to be chairman of the ICD Modern she's still an examiner and all that we don't do syllabus modern um anymore we only do it for one term um they're, they're taught to dance for th- two terms out of the three and then that one term should they want to do an exam we put the exam work on them and they go do the exam so we teach them to dance we don't teach them to pass exams and i think as soon as uh, you can explain that to your parents they're like oh yeah yeah that's right so it's yeah. a tricky one ballet exams are a tricky one mm. but again it's i think it's all down to education yeah you've got you've got to explain it you've got to show it you've got to You've got to say to them, you've got to literally invest everything you've got into explaining why you believe in what you do. Yeah. And then people will follow you. It's sort of like, you know, religion. People, a preacher, a very good preacher will preach, 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 and then people will follow. Yeah. But until they've preached to that standard, no one will follow anyway. Yeah. 
yeah I do reiterate that a lot about ballet exams and I think it's a lot of the older ones know now because they're obviously they're old enough to understand how hard it is with all the free work as well because all of it's unset you've got to learn all the French and I don't think a lot of mums really see that you know it's a really different language no no but again, if you've taught them to dance, then they'll know the routine. They'll know the words, so therefore they'll know the, they'll be able to put the routines together quicker and the free work and all that. So I really think it's it's more about teach ballet and then teach the exam work. That's yeah. How I would, yeah. I mean, I don't teach ballet, but I have teaching qualifications in ballet, but I don't teach ballet. Yeah. Mm. Um, so next one is the importance of a compliment. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought this one was a really good one as well. So I've put. Um, again, I talk about this with the students that I simply do not film them all the time. Obviously, we've just spoken yeah. about that one. Mm-hmm. Um, so we don't want to force a performance when a phone is taken out. Yes. You know, like it's yeah. an audition straight away. Yeah, no, I feel like um, as, soon as, the, as soon as the kids see the camera, mm-hmm. they go into a completely different sort of performance they either up their game so much or i see kids completely and utterly freak and i'm seeing more and more kids that get like some sort of anxiety as soon as their camera comes out definitely it's really as soon as i get the camera out they'll forget it yeah same same and, and i'm like, well, why I, I even doing like this? It's, there's no point it's really. not fun and it's no. supposed to be fun no i think it's really hard as teachers though especially with senior students especially if you have invested so much in them not to always focus on the correction um so one of my rosina andrews method comments is uh corrections uh, no, directions are greater than corrections um because the teachers that are constantly saying a correction you're not it's not making any difference to the student they're just getting it stuck in their head like sarah put your shoulders down sarah put your shoulders down and you then go oh my shoulders are up instead of going sarah let's squeeze our lats down and open our chest it doesn't even mention the word shoulder mm-hmm. but you'll probably get a better response from directing someone than correcting them so i think the compliment and the change of always the negative is yeah really really important that's a really good one that's brilliant <laughs> There's another quote there. Mm, I've learned something new today. (laughs) That is brilliant. So how do you feel about teachers and demonstrating? Because personally, I don't join in with everything, especially leaps, (laughs) etc. Because, hello, I'm old. And um, I just think, how can I watch, say, 15 children in a class to um, help them progress? Yeah. If we're doing a dance as well, watch everyone's in unison, watch everyone's arms are the same, and and do the dance at the same time. Like, what are your thoughts? I think it's it's a tricky one, and it's knowing the balance, but I am all about demonstration. Mm. (laughs) And I think, like, so I've taken classes with some phenomenal teachers, and to me, the best teachers in the world are the ones that can demonstrate it. Not necessarily because they can demonstrate it because of the legs and the kicks and the turns, because that that's the first thing that goes. As soon as you're not training every day, yeah. those are things that goes. But the yeah. things like the musicality, the performance, the transitions, how you want the vibe, you can't like you can't expect dancers to be able to replicate. Yeah. So yeah, so I'm I'm all about demonstrate. I demonstrate a lot, and then when I got to a point where I couldn't really demonstrate it in a way that I felt was inspiring any longer, that's when Rory came on board and I took on an assistant. Um, I feel like visual learning for kids is such a massive part, and especially yeah. kids that have chosen to do dance because they're probably uh, more the right uh, right side brain children, the creative children, the children that learn from watching as opposed to like reading or numbers. So 
like I think it's important that I, I bet you you probably I'm sure you can dance and you're not old that not old no I, do, I don't mean I don't do anything I I you know the, as you say the transitions in tap I do everything but I have yeah. my girls um, demonstrating I think that, things your kids want to want to see you dance they like even if you did it like really bad they're, they're still proud of you and they're still like inspired and I think we forget that I think I did a teacher's course with Shannon Mather in LA and she was like your kids want to see you dance and I was yeah. like I hadn't really thought about that because I was getting to a point where I wasn't doing as much um yeah and the, the working on the corrections and getting a class to do the council that is such a it's such a hard balance because you just don't have time I feel like we don't have time to do everything we need yeah um, what I like mean is like the whole not... routine like you wouldn't join in with the whole routine I'd, oh, I'd no, show no, them eight no, counts and then because no, obviously when you demonstrate it and then you, they've learned it that then they don't need you anymore but you know sometimes they will dance like I, sometimes I will take do the class with them I will join in and I think so, like, at my summer school, I have, like, educators that come and teach, and one of them was, like, on a break. He was like, can I come take your class? So that, that teacher was in that class with those 12-year-olds, and it was, like, the most inspiring thing for them to see someone learning and someone, you know, not being perfect and things like that. So, yeah, That's for me, good. like, teaching is about creating the energy and the vibe in the room, and then that becomes contagious for learning. Yeah. Um, I don't... I am quite liberal when it comes to corrections um I feel like I correct I don't correct really strictly all the time I only do it when it's massively necessary because you've got to think that maybe one percent of the hundred percent of your dance school is actually going to pursue dance professionally the rest of them want to have an amazing time and want to have amazing memories so yeah I'm, I'm quite liberal when it comes to that and then people don't understand that I can get the results that I do looking at my students in my videos and things from being that liberal but for me the result they've been like that because they've had the space and ability to move without judgment and correction um that's they found their own identity and how they perform and that's when you can begin to like clean up and correct and count and things like that yeah so yeah I think, I think we have a, a bit of a different opinion on that one but yeah different opinions are the way forward yeah definitely every teacher has um, their own unique style and yeah, yeah. I, I definitely agree with um I I love giving corrections. I just I can't help myself. It's like word vomit. I just I can't help yeah. it. But I don't ever raise my voice anymore. Like when I first started when I was twenty four, I definitely took a different strict approach. But now I don't ever shout yeah. or I'm not strict. There's just a level of you know, respect there. It's a, it's respect, a level of respect. And as soon as you have the respect, that's when you get the results. You, yeah. You can be, you can yell and discipline as much as you want, but probably have zero respect. Yeah. It's so true, isn't yeah. it? Having that nice, relaxed, sort of like you, they're almost your friends sort of approach. Yeah, absolutely. Well, my, my seniors, I'd say, are my friends. And because of that, that's they, they fully trust me. And then that's when they get the results that they, um, they deserve. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, do we, as we said earlier, do we do too much as teachers, educators? So, the videos after the class, sending them to practice with, the late night conversations, dealing with the teenage emotions. So, these are just to name a few. And again, this isn't what I think. I just, this is the common, what I've wrote down, a common things that are said on dance teachers yes. hub and yeah. you know what my other dance teacher friends say this is the common discussion so most of these you know i, I sort of yeah discuss with people no, I, as well i've seen that a lot too and uh, when i do my teachers courses it is a question that comes up um for me no i am very all or nothing and i don't think i'd swap doing any of that extra stuff because that for me builds the community 
And with that comes the trust, and with that comes the phenomenal results. Um, I know a lot of teachers don't agree, but for me, dance isn't just an activity. It's a lifestyle, and it's it's a family. And I think, for me, no, I don't, like, I don't have any of my little ones on Instagram. I don't have, they don't have my number. They don't, but then when they get to, like, in my oldest class of, you know, 15-year-olds, they do have my number because they're more likely to tell me something than they are their parents and we're, we're going to help them get through that as dance teachers and as a community so yeah no I mean when I went to dance I didn't have any contact with my teachers um other than we went to the class and you know things like that we didn't like you said we didn't get any tapes to practice with but times have really changed and I think it's important mm. to change how dance is now sort yeah. of like comparing the fact that everyone's comparing this coronavirus to like world war Two. you know they're saying oh you know in World War Two, you sent a letter and um, you might not have got a reply for six months. But realistically, that's not how we live now. So we can't really compare. Yeah. You know, if we were still living in a world that we did send letters, then yes, you could compare that, but we don't. So it's like if we're still living in a dance world where dancers didn't practice with video, didn't have the ability to use video and didn't have, you know, uh, teenagers didn't speak to their teachers then we could compare it but I think it's too far changed to even begin comparing yeah you're right mm-hmm. yeah I like I like the fact that the kids can talk to me like we have this group called let's talk and it's just yeah. like a safe space where I don't know like say 10 of them that want to speak some of them don't even speak they just sit there and listen but you know, if they want to tell you know the group what's going on because a couple of them are going through some really heavy stuff and I, yes, I like no, to think you, that you want to be there yeah them. yeah especially because I've not got my own kids I feel like I, you just like love them unconditionally don't you like the yeah, own. No, it is, and it, I think that's why it's so hard when uh, like a parent takes a kid away it's just yeah. usually the parent over the kid I think I'd say most 90% of the time a child leaving at dance school is usually from the parent yeah um, and you they don't realize what that's doing to that kid like yeah. I, I mentor a lot of dance you know young dancers around the yeah, I take on like 10 mentors a year and most of them you you listen to the you listen to their problems and you're like that was because you left the dance school and you lost all your friends that was because you went yeah. to a competition and your mom said this and it's all down to that so yeah I'm I think it's I think it's great like at the end of the day we invest I always say I invest in the people that invest in me so mm. if my students are in my classes every night of the week and they're working really really hard then I'll invest in them yeah Otherwise, it's very one-sided, and I think that's when you begin to lose. I, I've talked about trust and respect a lot, but I think you begin to lose that. Yeah. And I think I'm also like that with, like, any of my followers or my teachers that follow me on like social media and stuff. I would rather invest in the twenty that you know care about what I do than worry about selling my brand to the other ten thousand that kind of are interested in what I do, but they're more like interested just having a nose. So yeah, it's all about working on that twenty percent that. Yeah. yeah yeah definitely it's like having it's like friendships really isn't it it's all about trust and loyalty yeah, it is trust loyalty commitment is you know choosing a dance school is like choosing you know a friend <laughs> yeah think. yeah definitely um but it's it's nice it's just nice to hear one of the dance teachers opinions from you know because we've never actually met face to face no, um, no, no, yeah. So, you know, this pandemic is... I think doing I, I found so... that when I, when I do my teacher's intensives, I find that a lot of them, like, teachers are like, ah, oh, this is how you are. Because I, I think social media paints a very strange picture of people. I mean, yeah. I don't think I'm that dissimilar to what I post on social media, but 
I think in person, you know, people are like, oh, I get it now. Yeah. Yeah. That's... It's, very easy to, it's very easy to judge. And... Yeah, that's been said on the podcast a couple of times. Actually, like, you're a, a human being as well as this dance teacher robot. You know, yeah. you've got a sense of humour and you like to have a laugh. Oh, absolutely. It's not all about dance discipline all the time, you know, we've oh, got... No, absolutely not. <laughs> I think I teach students in a very different way to a lot of people expect. I think people think from the results that I get that they're very, very strictly taught and this and that, but, mm. yeah. I know, it's really good to speak to you. It's everything <laughs> in my mind, as I said, it, I am learning off every single person that comes on this podcast about... Yeah, well, I'm glad to share and... I think that for me, that's one of the most important things, being able to share and collaborate as teachers. Yeah. That's one good thing about Dance Teachers Hub, actually, sometimes when there's positive yes. posts, I'm like, oh, yeah, we're all going through this together. Absolutely, yeah. Mm. No, there, there's, there's hope. I mean, at the moment, I don't want to go on it because I can't see any more problems with Zoom. <laughs> no, I don't understand. People are saying it took them, like, three days to set up. I don't understand how you can physically... <laughs> It takes, like, two minutes to schedule a meeting. Like, <laughs> oh, I don't know. I feel like just offering my service to help them set it up because I'm just like, you look so stressed. I'm not going to do that then. Because <laughs> then I'll be, I'll be told I'm profiteering or something. <laughs> <laughs> So you teach, like we said, all over the world. So um, and all different yeah. levels and styles of dance schools. So what do you feel mm-hmm. in the UK us teachers need to work on? Oh, tricky one. That is a hard um, question. <laughs> I think that um, the UK, that you have it. We have an excellent dance scene. We have um, very versatile young performers, but not who are not given the time to like grow to the standard they need to be because on a Monday they have 45 minutes of modern followed by 45 minutes of tap followed by 45 minutes of contemporary followed by 10 minutes of acro and so that that three hours of their life they've done three different styles so I find that a lot of in other countries they you know on a Monday they'll do jazz and jazz tech for two hours and that's what they'll work on Um, and then on maybe a Wednesday that's when they do you know tap but then they'll do tap and then they'll do rhythm tap so they have a bit more time to focus on like one style at a time as opposed to trying to fit it all in um i think because of i mean america finds that much easier because obviously they're able to homeschool so you know dancers finish school at two o'clock in the afternoon and then they dance from two till ten um i think that is something that we will never be able to replicate because Mm. our schooling system doesn't allow that and also no parent is going to let their kid dance from two till ten o'clock um mainly because the, there's, we, the UK never has the same fight to become like a master in something. They just people, we just want we just are settling to be good at something. So like you maybe get one parent that really wants to invest everything they physically got in their kid, and their kid will do everything. But you've got a lot of other parents that go, oh, you know what, my child does really need to come home for dinner and sit see daddy and sit across the table and eat with daddy. Like we have a very different focus of kind of striving to be the best. Yeah. Um, teachers wise I think it's all about education and I feel like when a teacher stops learning that's when a student stop learning so you mm-hmm. know taking online classes doing uh, extra certifications I mean I don't I know they cost money but you can you know even during this time you're saying how much you're learning from people doing lives like these are free like do one try and see that try and follow that and I think that's when you can then enhance what you're giving to your students so yeah. i think constantly educating i think a lot of teachers here they do their teaching qualifications and that's that mm. 
Mm-hmm. And then they find that their students are going other places to learn other things, and you think, oh, you just walked straight into that one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's <laughs> you know really I mean? true, like, oh, yeah. Well, my student is going somewhere else to learn pirouettes because I, I, I don't know how to teach pirouettes. Yeah. I learn how to teach pirouettes, and your student won't go somewhere else. For me, that that is one of the – that's why people lose students because they're not offering – the fresh you know i mean i feel bad at the moment because i've not downloaded tiktok <laughs> and I, I just i refused because i went on it once and i saw like some of my 11 year olds mouthing lyrics that i really wish i had never seen um <laughs> so i deleted tiktok but like i'm seeing that like, i'm thinking maybe i should get that because i need to try and stay relevant and, I, and that's like the constant thing trying to stay relevant so mm. yeah that would be my opinion on that brilliant so <laughs> i don't know if that's this deep no that was really good I think a lot of dance teachers that are listening to this as well will be like I see excellent mm. I mean there'll be a lot of them going oh, Rosina Andrews doesn't work like that but yeah <laughs> so three things just to round up the podcast that you are grateful for oh grateful for okay so um oh god especially at the moment that's hard grateful for the ability to learn um both from other people, from books, um, things like that, because without learning, we can't get anywhere. Grateful for cream eggs, because they're getting <laughs> me through coronavirus. Um, and I'm grateful for the internet. Like, I think so many people take that for granted, but the internet, whether it be right now, during this virus, or just generally, like, without the internet, we would be, I don't know what would be right now. So, yeah, cream eggs, learning, and internet. <laughs> Brilliant. Do most people say like dance, my legs, and music, or things like that? Uh, do you know what some of them? <laughs> Laura said, um, and just a nice cup of coffee. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I'm glad. It's, I'm glad. I'm, yeah. That's all right then. I didn't have to. And the dog. <laughs> the dog. That's another one. <laughs> yeah. The dog. Oh yeah. I'm grateful for the dog. I mean, I'm also grateful for my husband, my students. There you being go. Able to eat, the dryness, life. The yeah. list is endless, isn't it? We are so lucky. And but I think. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Learning because it covers a whole big bunch of things. The internet because that can cover up, you know, education, communication, shopping, everything. And then cream eggs because cream eggs are amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so any um, Rosina fans, um, send her a bucket of cream eggs for Easter. Yes, please. Yes, cream <laughs> eggs and Dr Pepper. <laughs> So I before, should have put that one in there, Cream Eggs and Dr Pepper. <laughs> so before we finish, tell us about your amazing books. I've got two of them actually, and they were really helpful. Yes. So I have Pirouette Surgery and Leap Surgery. Both of them were written um, mainly because at the time that I started teaching leaps and turns, they weren't so apparent. Um, and because I've been in America and I'd seen it firsthand, I thought, you know what, let's try these workshops out. Someone tempted me to write it into a book I'm one of those people that if you test me to do something I will give it a shot um yeah so pirouette surgery and leap surgery and then um the third one is currently being incubated at this current time <laughs> <laughs> so is that incubated, what you I think is the correct word as well <laughs> I see so when do you think that one will be out or is that just like what's going on right uh, yeah, now so who knows that one is that it launches at move it 2021 I mean why I don't know if Move It will be happening in 2021, but um, after the stress of this year. But yeah, so the plan is March 2021 is when book three um, will launch. 
And will you be doing some of your teaching workshops as well, you know, for yeah, teachers? Yeah, so um, I have a teacher's workshop this summer uh, in August, so we're praying that that will go ahead. If not, we'll constantly postpone it. So, yeah, it's a teacher's workshop. Um, it's on my website, booking for, it's booking now. It's got a few places left, so um, I don't, I try to keep things, my workshop's quite small because then I feel like I can invest like I said, invest in people that invest in me rather than having like tons and tons of people in a room. Yeah. So yeah, that, that's that's currently selling. That's in August. Um, and then as uh, the winter season begins, Amplify our touring convention, which is um, the convention based on education. So there's no shopping, there's no uh, ambassadors, there's no photos, there's no videos, there's nothing like that. It's just um, four awesome classes of different styles throughout the day. So that will be that's currently selling as well. And that tours the whole of the UK. Oh, wow. Um, I'm thinking if you were, you guys are northwest, right? We have one in Preston and we have one in Leeds. Um, yeah, so Preston, Leeds, uh, Edinburgh, Dublin, Winchester, Swindon, London, and Birmingham. Wow, that's brilliant. I'll put this on the podcast, um, you know, like the description so people can click yeah. on and book we do, on. We do um, a, a student studio, a studio discount. So if they've got a group of students that want to come from one studio, we can do a discount for them. Amazing. Count us in. Yay. Yes, love that. Brilliant. Oh, well, thanks so much for coming on today. It's been no worries. Thank amazing. You it's been so good. And enjoy your cream eggs. <laughs> <laughs> Take care of yourself and hopefully see you on the other side. Yes, definitely. All right, Messina. Take care. Bye. Bye. What a fantastic podcast this week. I hope both the students enjoyed it, the parents enjoyed it. And obviously, I really enjoyed it. And I feel like this was recorded a couple of weeks ago now. We're in the third week of online classes. And it's really made me realise as a teacher that I don't dance enough with the kids. And I should. Because I'm so focused on them. Sometimes they do need to see me dance and push myself. I'm always saying to them, guys, you can do anything. You can push yourself. You can do this. Same goes for me. We all need to, I suppose, push ourselves, get out of our comfort zone. And the pandemic is obviously doing that for all of us. We're really out of our comfort zones at the minute. It's completely the unknown. So I've really enjoyed the past couple of weeks getting back to dancing with the kids even though it's not in the studio, it's online and we're dancing together and creating together. So thank you, Rosina, for definitely inspiring me to dance a lot more with the kids and the stretch classes I've really enjoyed um, and the feedback's just been wonderful from mums and dads um, about the online classes. Me and the teachers have just been having an absolute ball So I thought I'd leave the podcast on a very positive note with this lovely quote that Rosina posted on her Instagram the other day. There are friends, there is family, and then there are friends that become family. I just thought that was really sweet. So I hope my lovely dance family are having a wonderful week, enjoying the sun, enjoying homeschooling, of course, enjoying the challenges I've been setting every single week and enjoying online classes and family time. So sending big love to everyone. Have a lovely weekend and I'll see you all next week.